0: Hi, everyone. You're here with the second season of Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd. Here as always with my co-host, Liza Casey.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Nunzio Presta. He is the founder and CEO of BizOn and a pro-athlete turned entrepreneur. So we have a lot of questions for you.
2: <laughs> Thank you. For
0: me. Um. So tell us first, what is BizOn?
2: Yeah. So BizOn an online marketplace where people can buy and sell uh, businesses or franchises in the micro market. So uh, we define that as businesses with a uh, valuation of under five million. So your small mom and pop shops that that are very that people are very used to in their local communities.
0: Very cool. And why are people selling these types of businesses?
2: Oh there's a variety of reasons. Uh, I think you know there is a stigma. So a lot of people sit back and say well, if someone's selling a business, it, it must not be doing well. Uh, and and that just isn't uh, the case. What I can tell you, you know, uh, guiding the ship here at BizOn, uh, is that we've never seen a bad business sell. Um, mm-hmm. you know, only good businesses sell. Uh, and and those, ri- those reasons could, you know, be from retirement, um, to an offer, uh, to, uh, you know, um, involuntary, um, um, exit, you know, say a divorce or say a, a death in the family. Uh, there, there's a variety of reasons, uh, you know, including health reasons or whatnot, uh, but a variety of reasons of why someone would, uh, want to sell their business.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting. A lot of, uh, research that we've done into marketplaces, a lot of time they come across this chicken and egg problem where you need to have A bunch of stuff on the marketplace before people come and put stuff on your marketplace. So, Mm -hmm. could you talk a little bit about how you went about building the marketplace and what are the some of the challenges that you faced doing so?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that was, uh, you know, like like any other marketplace, that that was our biggest uh, hurdle, uh, especially at the beginning. Um, And you know, we, you know, this is seven years ago. So these kind of strategies seem um simple now, but you know, we really executed on uh the freemium model. So, you know, offering uh our our um our, our services for free in order to really get those listings on our marketplace. Um we definitely believe that having uh, more inventory would would attract uh, buyers, um, so that was the approach. We didn't really go uh, the other way around, where we would uh, try to attract a bunch of, of buyers and then uh, then you know go to people looking to sell and say, hey, you know, we have a, a captive audience of buyers. That's the tone we're setting now, um, but that's that that happened. There was a natural process to getting that to that point. Uh, but at the beginning, it was really focused on, you know, making sure there's a ton of quality inventory and listings on our site. Um, and, and you know, that was generally offered, you know, from being a free service. Uh, and then we were able to go out there and just really double down on marketing efforts uh, and push the message of, you know, not, you know, you don't have to start a business, uh, to, to own one and the whole uh, world of entrepreneurship through acquisition and how it's an exciting and thriving uh, spin on, on entrepreneurship uh, versus the traditional uh, definition that is extremely popular, which is, you know, identify something from scratch, build it in your garage and become a billionaire. So we, <laughs> kinda, we were kind of pitching Uh, The whole dream of, you know, you can buy an existing business if you don't have an idea. You can, you know, love what you do and be your own boss. uh, And you can grow this business into something really special. Uh, And at the end of the day... You know, it's a great lifestyle hobby business. You know, we're not attracting people looking to become the next Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey. We're looking to attract people that really want to just love what they do uh, and and have a you know a lifestyle business that puts food on the table. Uh, And that was really the fuel of most of our marketing campaigns at the beginning. And it did a great job when we basically merged those campaigns and those words with the amount of free listings that we had on our site. Then, you know, the natural progression of moving towards a marketplace now today that represents 98%, you know, our users are 98% buyers now. It's literally the opposite. It really flipped. And now we're able to go out... um, to sellers and, and, uh, and, and sell that, right. We could go to someone looking to sell their business and say, Hey, we have a very captive audience of sellers. You know, 98% of our users are, are, are buyers. We have a very captive audience of buyers seller. Would you be interested in, in promoting your listing on our site? And now it's a different conversation and uh, and more dynamics towards that way.
0: I really love it, especially um, from the perspective of you and I think like buying like a small like bar restaurant where I know the setup is really expensive and difficult getting those kind of businesses launched. But if you buy one that's already in progress, it already has its licenses, it's already built, you already have the kitchen, everything that you need, then you get to take it over. And I see that as a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, no. And you know, I think it's it's a lot of fun, but it's also appropriate for the right type of person. Like you'll mm-hmm. always have those, you know, those those starters and those entrepreneurs that love, you know, identifying a problem and starting something from scratch. But you know, we're really talking to these people that like I said, they want to operate their own business. They want to be in control. They want to be their boss, but they may not have the mindset or skill to start something from scratch. Um, so we're here saying, well, at the end of the day, that's fine. You could still buy something that exists. And another, I think difficult part of the conversation as well is, you know, you have a lot of people that'll step back and say, well, it's really expensive to buy a bus- an existing business. And I'll push back and say, well, you definitely have never started a business then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's extremely expensive to start a business if you incorporate you know, energy, time, sacrifices, sweat, blood, and tears, right? Um, and that's one part of the, the conversation. Then the other part of the conversation is, that I like to have with a lot of people is go to for you know a financial institution and and try and get some sort of loan or or something in order to start a business 99.9% actually 100% will say no Right. You go you go to a financial institution and you present them with an opportunity to acquire an existing business with great financial performance and history. You know, the likelihood of getting some cash in order to finish the acquisition or uh, or an operating line of credit is extremely high because there's history. Right. So those are the two conversations I really like to have with people that are thinking about this whole world of entrepreneurship through acquisition.
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah, that that's really cool. And you've obviously seen a lot of companies that are being acquired. So can you talk a little bit about what are some of the best qualities or some of the best things that a company get to, to be able to be acquired for the most amount of money? Like for someone who wants their co- company to be bought out, what should they be doing? What should they be growing in their company?
2: Yeah, no, awesome. Great question. And we've put a lot of um, you know, uh, thought into this and, and we've, you know, we've seen, you know, thousands and thousands of, 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 you know, businesses connected and, and, and move forward, uh, successfully through an acquisition. And the common theme comes down into three pillars. We call them, uh, we call them the three pillars of creating a valuable and successful, uh, or so, sorry, a valuable and sellable business. Uh, and why we say that is because a lot of people out the gate think if my business is valuable, it's sellable. But that's not always the case, right? Mm-hmm. There can be very valuable businesses that aren't sellable. So we really want to make sure we're talking about both facets of creating a business. It has to be valuable and sellable. And in order to do that, we de- we've identified about three pillars. The first is timing. <laughs> it's very simple, but it's timing. You need to know when uh, to sell and when not to sell. Uh, you know, for example, right now you-, you wouldn't want to be selling a cap company. There's a lot of pressure in that market Mm -hmm. uh, and your time may be up. So you really need to be focused as as a buyer and seller on what I like to call the set model. So you really want to audit the business environment um, through social, economic, and technology trends. Uh, That'll provide you with that guidance on when is the right time uh, to sell that business, if that's on your mind. Uh, The second is uh, financial health right? You want to have very healthy, uh, performing financials, organized, prepared. A lot of business uh, buyers want to see at least three to five years of history. Um, So you want to make sure you put a lot of care and attention in that. So we've noticed that the companies that are the most organized from a financial perspective uh, have the ability to communicate easier and better and showcase not only the, the financial health of it, Right now, but the financial health of the business moving forward, and how you could defend the fact that you know there 's going to be a ton of opportunities coming from from this business uh, financially um, that could be upheld uh, with the with the new uh, buyer and, and operator um, and then the last pillar, which is one of my favorites that a lot of people don 't really think about, and they kind of dismiss because they think it 's impossible. But I truly am standing here saying it's not impossible. You really need uh, to double down on this is creating a self-sufficient business. You can't create a business that's dependent on one leader, one client, one customer, one employee, you know, one vendor. It has to be truly self-sufficient, meaning, and this is also known as the Switzerland structure, meaning that if a new buyer or new operator were to come into that business they could operate it with limited to limited problems, to almost no problems, and they don't want. There, there's no fear of losing, you know, employees or customers uh, or, or vendors uh, or suppliers because now there's a new operator in town. And in order to do that, you really need to create operating uh, principles, values, and a culture um, that everyone's dependent on, not dependent on a leader. So being the face of your business. Sometimes isn't the best thing to do, especially if you want to create a sellable and valuable business. So mm-hmm. those are kind of the three pillars that um that we've identified to date so far.
0: That's really great advice, especially the last one because I think that's counterintuitive for most people
2: Very, very. You wouldn't believe the pushback we get on that and and my you know my simple reply is listen. Not everyone, you know, wants to sell a business, not everyone plans to sell a business, but if you want to be set up, you know, God forbid you need to exit, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, you want to make sure that you get a good premium for what you've put into this, right? And Mm -hmm. in order to do that, you really need to think about creating an organization that is self-sufficient. Like the biggest, like, for example, I always think about my father. Right? Uh, growing up, he was uh, a chartered accountant. He had his own practice, uh, and I remember being a little kid in his office, you know, uh, scribbling away. And every single person that would walk in to the front desk would say, "Hi, is Frank here?" "Hi, is Frank here?" "Oh no, Frank's not here, but so and so's here." "Oh no, no, I want to talk to Frank." That's not a good thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? That's not a good. Yeah. Thing. So, so. Um, so yeah, people really need to to pay attention and focus on that, especially if they really want to um, exit uh, one day.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, that's really yeah. good. That's really interesting.
2: So, uh, I was just wondering, like, you're always
1: you have so many stuff going on, uh, researching you a little bit for for the podcast. How do you manage your time, and how do you go about making sure that each of your projects or the things that you're doing gets the the right amount of focus from you?
2: Yeah, great question. And and not only do I have tons of, you know, projects happening, I also have, uh, you know, an awesome family with two little kids that, you know, deserve my attention and care as well. So, um, you know, I, I work really hard. Um, I prioritize my, my things, um, you know, uh, aggressively through my calendar, I slot things in, in literally like, 10 minute intervals on my calendar. If you were to see my calendar, uh, it's insane, but I (laughs) mean, I I know I, I make sure that, you know, I'm, you know, very committed and driven by my calendar and and it is what it is. Um, as far as just checking off the things that are more, the most important to uh, the, the tasks and projects I'm working on. So it's all prioritized. It's all thought out thoroughly, you know, Uh, you know, we, a week in advance. Uh, So I have this game plan on how to attack the week and I'm just scheduling away and working, scheduling away and working. Uh, And then I also give myself a hard stop, you know, on most nights, like obviously there, there's some projects that, Hey, uh, it's going to go into the evening. It's going to go into the weekend. And that comes, you know, with the territory of, of trying to create value to the world and, and, and whatnot. But you know, I stand strong on making sure that when five o'clock hits, you know, I'm stopping so I could eat dinner with my family. Like, it's very important to me. Um, but as far as getting all the things done, um, it literally comes down to, you know, my, my, my calendar and how I manage that effectively. If I manage my calendar effectively um, and prioritize it, um, I'm, I'm able to be as, as productive as possible and, and extremely efficient.
0: Yeah, that's great. I, I definitely love living by the calendar. (laughs) It's not for everyone, but, um, if you want to live by the calendar, there's a ton of apps too, that can help you kind of organize and prioritize if you want to do time blocking and things like that. And do you want to talk a bit about, um, being, um, a former pro athlete and what did you learn from that, that you still carry with you today as an entrepreneur?
2: Yeah, no, uh, definitely. So, um, you know, I was I was a goaltender playing hockey uh, junior, a little bit in the states, and Europe. Um, been playing hockey since I was uh, seven. Would have would have started earlier, but my mom was scared for me to play, so she would always go for about two or three years in a row. She would go to my father saying, "Oh, hockey registrations full." Uh, and by the by, the second or third year, my dad was uh, like this is impossible. This is crazy. So he took me and, and, and I, you know, registered me successfully at at seven. Uh, But from the early age, you know um, it was noticeable that I I was really great at playing the game. Uh, You know, the first year after house league, I, you know, accelerated directly to the highest level that an eight year old could play in in the greater Toronto area. And I had a lot of fun with it. Um, And I think the biggest thing that, you know, the game taught me was, or, or baked into me just from a character perspective is just, you know, teamwork, time management, uh, respect, discipline, commitment. Like those are the things that have really, um, that I've really taken from the game. And I don't think it's just hockey. I think it's sport in general, right? Uh, and now it's just so, it's it's so, it's part of my character that, um, you know, it's not like, I'm trying so hard to be, uh, you know, a reliable or focused or energetic person. That's just who I am now, and I think you know hockey really uh, baked that into my into my character. Um, but I think one of the biggest lessons hockey taught me, and this is you know, you know, referring to when my career ended, was really stepping back and understanding when to walk away from something. And I think that's the hardest conversation or thing to do in life, whether it's relationships or business or sports or anything. It's having this ability to really audit yourself, uh, reflect and understand, should I try harder or should I really walk away? Because you don't, you also don't want, you know, you need to protect your time that's the most valuable asset we all have and i think if you could constantly audit that question and you're happy then uh you know then then everything else will just work out um and that's you know that's what hockey really taught me especially when my career came to to an end
1: so kind of as a final question um uh, can you tell me something about yourself that is not on your linkedin page
2: uh ooh i don't know if it's on my linkedin page or not but I am, obviously my background's Italian, Italians, you know, have pretty good cuisine, but I am an unbelievable cook. I could, I could really cook. Uh, I, and I think, you know, (laughs) I think, I think that's my retirement plan. My retirement plan is definitely to open up uh, a little, a little restaurant and and be cooking every day. I, I love cooking.
0: That's really good. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I just started making my own pasta from scratch. And it's actually so easy, right? Like, it's so much easier than I thought.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's going on uh, around, you know, the social sphere with with mommy groups or just general groups in general. Uh, general groups in general. Anyways. Uh, but um, uh, everyone's making bagels. Homemade bagels nowadays. Ooh. Yeah. My wife, my wife actually for the last week has been making homemade bagels and and they're delicious so uh i would encourage you guys to try that as well
0: <laughs> Alrighty, well thank you so so much for joining us today and for uh talking to us all about your history and uh entrepreneurship and um people selling their businesses
2: yeah no thank you so much this has been a pleasure
0: thank you for tuning in to floater founder everybody. we look forward to bringing you more content from more amazing people in our city
2: until next time